presence. And it's available to every one of us in every circumstance and situation. So we don't have to just rely on ourselves, but God will provide what you need to get you through to see what he's prepared. Amen? God is so good. Thank you, Lord. Well, before you're seated, if you would just turn to some folks and greet them. We're glad you're all here today. I wasn't sure. I didn't realize that Jeremy was going to say something about Stuart and Chantal. And Jeremy's like, <laughs> but that was that was God, because um, while Debbie and I were away, we uh, had the opportunity to uh, go down and see our oldest son and, and daughter-in-law and our two grandchildren in Atlanta, and that happens to be where Stuart and Chantal have a house when they're back in the states. And we spent uh, an afternoon with them, and they said to say hi to you all and thank you for your support. Um, they, are, they are so appreciative of, of your prayers and your love and your sacrifice in giving uh, and supporting them. They are doing a great work. But that's one of the things that we try and do here all the time. We, God has these God connections. Uh, and whether it's with the Datilises in Haiti and, and uh, um, why can't I think of the other side of the island? The Dominican Republic. Thanks for your help. <laughs> um, they're working there. But all of these people we have personal relationship with. And uh, God just sets us up for these opportunities to impact and influence people all over the world. Because... Uh, God's interested in the whole wide world, and our world needs to be expanded to be more than just us, more than just right here in Rome or, or Utica or Central New York or New York State or America. You know, we need to be involved in all those areas, and, and we do in this church try to be invested and involved in, in uh, ministries that are, are uh, reaching people in all these areas. But uh, again, we're, we're so grateful for the God connections that we have. Um, I have to say, Dennis, thank you. And I don't see Dave here this morning, but Dennis and Dave had great messages from the Lord. I, I was personally greatly blessed and challenged, uh, reminded of truth and uh, things that uh, I need to keep at the forefront. Um, and God is so good to meet us all right where we need to be met and give us what we need to go where he has for us to go and be what he has for us to be. Amen? Uh, today we're going to be talking about something that uh, God had been speaking to my heart, and, and you'll see how this kind of worked out. It was interesting that we had the baptism video today and the testimony we had by one of the uh, people being baptized, and I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But um, before we go to the Word, 
we are looking at 20 years back to a situation that occurred in America that nobody ever dreamed could happen, 9-11. And I was watching a special on this and how there are people that have been born, have grown up, and didn't know anything about it. And that's hard for me to imagine because here, living in New York State, this was something that happened very close to us and in Pennsylvania and in Washington, D.C., at the Pentagon. Um, and I don't understand how people can't know it, but it's very easy because people, people have an interest in what they have an interest in, and it may not involve some of the other things. But 9-11, when it occurred, the attack on our own soil was the first of its kind. And it radically changed people. Uh, it caused a fear to rise in people like never before. Churches were fuller than ever before after that happened. But what happened, there was an kind of an attrition that people uh, had a little more distance, a little more space. And, and people that came into church because of fear began to migrate back out. And unfortunately, fear can't be a motivator in the kingdom of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and love and sound mind. But nonetheless, that fear impacted so many people. And it began a, a campaign that the enemy has had working, causing us to, trying to cause us to be in fear and be uncertain and insecure about what, our lives are, are going to be like. And yet we don't have to ever be in fear because God has a plan for you. And not just for you, but for every person out there. And not everybody realizes that. And those that realize it may not even believe it. And that's the key. We have to believe what God says. Not just know what God says. But we have to believe it for ourselves. And then we have to stand up and believe it for others and help them begin to believe it. And today we're going to talk about something that is very important in the days that we live in. Because the days we live in are in some ways full of fear. People are reacting in, in great ways. Uh, not great ways, but large ways because of fear, fear of COVID, fear of somebody controlling them. All of these different things are fear. And, and whenever we operate in fear, we are not in faith. And the Bible says whatever is not of faith is sin. And that just means we're missing what God has for us. And when we miss what God has for us, it doesn't just affect us. It affects all the people we come in contact with because God God not only wants to load you with benefits, but he wants to bring his abundant life into your life so that you overflow into other lives. And today we're going to look at what God has for us to live in this world, in this time that seems to be unstable and uh, uh, fear-filled. God wants us to be hope-filled. And so today we're going to talk about this. We're going to look at this and see how God has planned and provided for that. But before we do, let's pray. If you'd bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your presence. God, you are everything we need. 
and you freely and fully have given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. But Father, help us to recognize what you've done. Help us to receive it and believe it and become what you have said that we can be and do what you said we can do and have what you said we can have. That, Father, we would be an example to the people around us and an encouragement that they would see that there is something other than what this world has to offer and it is good and it is life-giving. And, Father, today we thank you for your word that is life and health to those who find it. We thank you for healings today in people's lives and in their bodies and in their relationships. We thank you that your word is a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. We thank you for the illumination and the revelation and the transformation that comes as your word goes forth. We thank you that your word is truth and it sets people free. Father, we thank you for the freedom that, that we'll experience today as we receive your word and believe your word. Lord, we thank you for the work that you're doing in us, the work that you're, you're working to will and to do your good pleasure, that, Father, we would be who you have for us to be and do what you have for us to do and impact and influence and impart to all the people around us that you love. We thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You know, when you listen to the news, oftentimes... There's a, a foundation of fear in it, of things going on that, that we want to avoid or we don't want to get too close to us. And even in the weather, if you'll watch what, what people say on the weather, uh, they'll have the maps and they'll have the colors and they'll talk about storms and then all of a sudden you'll see that they talk about whatever area you're in. And it may say slight, but they're still majoring on the storm. And there are storms happening all over in all sorts of ways. And we're in a world that is continuing to degrade. The Bible talks about in the book of Isaiah how darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people. Uh, that same book tells us that in the days that we live in that good will be called evil and evil will be called good. Light will be called dark and dark will be called light. And it's just the enemy's timing and ways to try and bring fear to our lives because if we're in fear and we're responding to fear, we can't respond to God. And fear has a, a very big effect if we let it. And, and just to give you an example, there was a professional thief whose name stirred fear in people all over this country. He terrorized a, a specific company for 13 years, stealing uh, 29 different bags of of finances. And it was from stagecoaches. But he did this all without firing a shot. His weapon was his reputation. His ammunition was fear and intimidation. A hood hid his face. No victim ever saw him. No artist ever sketched his features. No sheriff ever tracked his trail. His name, Black Bart. 
Now, you may not have heard of him, but he was, he was someone who targeted Wells Fargo stagecoaches. And just showing up, he could stop stagecoaches. The interesting fa uh, fact about Black Bart was when the hood finally came off, there was nothing to fear. After the authorities finally tracked him down, they didn't find a bloodthirsty bandit. They found a mild-mannered druggist from Decatur, Illinois, a man the newspapers had pictured storming through the mountains on horseback was in reality afraid of horses. He rode to and from every one of his robberies in a buggy. His name was Charles E. Boyles, the bandit who never fired a shot because he never once loaded his gun. Isn't that amazing? All he does is show up. They can't see his face. But because of how the reputation had occurred, he would tell them to hand over all their, their treasures and he would walk away and ride away on a buggy. They never saw him ride away on the buggy. But it was fear. Fear that got the better of them. We, we've heard that fear paralyzes. And you know, fear robs us of everything that God has for us. And we need to realize that the enemy uses fear. He uses fear in so many different ways. And, and in essence, what is fear? When, when we're afraid of something. Okay, that, that I've heard that too. False evidence that appears real, okay? But many times when we're afraid of something, we're fearing something that hasn't happened yet. Is that right? But we expect it to, and the expectation of what will happen is that it's not going to be good. But have you ever feared something that never came to pass? We all have. And so... Fear is an expectation of something bad that is going to occur in the future and sometimes never occurs. So we give all sorts of effort and energy and attention to something that is robbing us of the moment that may never even occur. And the enemy is masterful at this. Um, we see in our society things going on and and. Even in our own minds, we can begin to operate in fear. We see something happening. We wonder if it's going to happen in our home, our city, our town. And we get out there in the land of what ifs. And that's where the enemy wants you to be. Because you can't tell if it will or if it won't. But it takes our attention off the very thing that gives us stability, which is what? God and his word. And that's where we can't be living in the, the land of what ifs. We have to live in the land of truth and keep our focus on truth. We're living in times where people are experiencing great uncertainty, great fear, uh, a lack of stability, and it's giving rise to desperation, hopelessness, and depression. 
And today we need to see what it, God has for us. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 in the NIV translation, this is going to be the foundation scripture for this. But it says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Now, right here, we see a lot of things, and we're going to kind of break this down. But it says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. There is room for only one Lord in all of our lives. One to have the preeminence. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus is supposed to have the preeminence, the first in order and first in influence in our lives. There should be nothing and no one that comes close to the importance of Christ in our lives. But at times we struggle with that. But it says, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. So this is about hope. And hope is this. Hope is a confident expectation of good. Remember we said fear is an expectation of bad or evil. This is the exact antidote for fear, is hope. There are so many people in our society today that are, are dealing with hopelessness. They don't know how things are going to work out. But you do. As a Christian, you and I should know exactly how things are going to work out, as far as whether it's going to be bad or good. God has a plan for you, Jeremiah 29, 11 says. A plan for what? for good and not for evil or for bad, with a future and a hope. And so we can be confident that God's going to work it out for good because he's promised us in Romans 8, 28, that he works all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Who here loves God? Then you don't have to worry about what the future holds because whatever it holds, whatever you face, you don't face it alone. You know, in the first two songs we sang today, it talked about hope. God was setting you up. And when we looked at the video of the baptisms, remember when the young lady was talking about her shirt, hope as an anchor? You know, God, God always gives you and me what we need before we need it. The challenge is, Will we recognize it? God always does more than we could ever imagine or dream, but we don't always recognize it. It, it says, but always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. That indicates that people are going to be watching you, and they're going to look at your life, and they're going to see something different. Why is your life different? Have you ever had anybody ask you that? I, I had that happen to me. Uh, I told you that we uh, visited uh, our family in Georgia, in Atlanta. I had it happen years and years and years ago in Atlanta. I was working. My parents lived there. And I was working in a restaurant. And I was just doing my job. I was a busboy there. I became a waiter, 
And there were some people there that pulled me aside and said, why are you the way you are? What a question. Yeah, can you believe that? Why are you the way you are? And I'm trying to figure out what they're talking about. You're different. And I wasn't sure if that was good or bad. And, and they quickly uh, put me at ease and they said, no, there's something about you that's different. And, and uh, we don't know what it is. And I thought, I don't know what it is either. And they said, you know, you, you go out of your way to help other people. You seem to be always happy. And uh, I thought, that is something they're seeing that is not actually the case all the time. But that's what they were picking up. And, and I said, you know, I really can't tell you what, what the difference is. And then they said something that caused me to feel bad that I hadn't realized it. They said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I am. They said, that must be it. And I didn't know enough at that time to lead them to the Lord, but they ended up getting saved. They ended up inviting Debbie and me to go to a church with them that was spirit-filled, and it freaked us out. It did. Honestly, it freaked us out. If, if there weren't so many people between us and the aisle, we would have left. But that was God getting us to the place of realizing there's something more but people are watching you your family's watching you your neighbors are watching you and the question i have for you today is what are they seeing and what i want to tell you today is what they need to see is the difference in you that is because of hope because you have a confident expectation living in the same world that they're living in the Bible says we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We are here, but all our resources are not limited to this world. They are from God. Heaven is our home. And so when people are looking at our lives and seeing us in some of the same situations they are, they should see us acting in very different ways. That we're not rocked, we're not afraid, we're not undone by the things that are causing them great fear and distress. Because we have a hope. We have a confident expectation of good because we have a good God. And we know our God will never forsake us. It goes on to say the reason for the hope, we need to give a reason for the hope that is in us but do it with gentleness and respect. One of the things that's been so disturbing in this last year and a half is to watch people who call themselves Christians act in ways that are very unchristlike. We are always to walk in love. And we found out from the last series that, that I share with you, part of love is gentleness and kindness, and patience, forgiveness. And it's almost like we've forgotten because we're so focused on some things that we have as priorities or 
passions in our lives that we've set aside the things that God has for us to live out before people and towards people every day. And that needs to change because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for the church, not this building. He's coming back for you, his church, that's supposed to be without spot or wrinkle. There are things that he is looking to remove from our lives so that we can shine the light of the Lord more brightly than ever before, that they're going to see Christ in us. And the Bible says Christ in us is the hope of glory. But this hope, this hope is so important. We're supposed to be prepared to give an answer. If we're prepared to give an answer, that means there has to be some work done before they even ask. If you're prepared to go camping, what do you have to do? Just show up? No, you've got to get all the equipment together. You've got to know where you're going. It's the same thing. We've got to get what God has for us to possess, to understand, to be able to articulate, to say to people when they ask us, you know, I didn't do a good job because I wasn't prepared. I didn't understand. But that was my bad. And there are more people asking these days than ever before because people are in need. They're searching. They're seeking. They're in need of security, of stability, and they're trying to find it in places they'll never find it because the only place that's found is in God because he's the only one that never changes. In the message translation, it says this. Through thick and thin, keep your hearts at attention in adoration before Christ your master. Be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks you why you're living the way you are. And always do it with utmost courtesy. When people look at our lives, they should see our life different than theirs. I'm not saying superior or better, but we know when we walk in the things of God, it does give us a better life. Our lives are full of peace, just like Dennis talked about last Sunday. The peace that God gives that passes all understanding, guards our hearts and our minds, that we aren't all strung out or, or overwhelmed by the things that are going on because we know God's with us and for us. Prepared. Prepared to give the answer. If somebody asks you today, why do you live the way you live? Would your first thought be, because I'm living my life for the Lord? Because I'm following Jesus? Because I've chosen to become a follower of Jesus Christ and align myself with the principles and precepts of the Bible, the priorities of the Bible? And if they were to say, well, what are the priorities in your life? How would you answer that? I'm asking these questions today so that we can think about this to be able to answer those who are asking us tomorrow. Because I'm believing that there are going to be many, many more people that are going to watch us and see us as the Bible tells us we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be peculiar, not weird, but different in a way that causes people to want to find out how come you aren't afraid. 
How come you, you, you have a peace? How come you have a joy? How come you have a confidence in the times that are very, very unsettled? And we have to be able to answer those questions with the right answers, not just an answer, but the right answers. Because there is only one answer, and that is because of the Lord. The hope in our lives, a confident expectation of good. We should never lack for a confident expectation of good, no matter what we experience. Because what is it that we face that is too difficult for God? Nothing. Nothing. God is bigger than anything we can face. And God can bring us through everything and anything we face. And do it in a way that shows his victory and his love. And this should cause us and our lives to be more secure, stable, confident, at peace than, than people without the Lord. And we need to look at our own lives. Are we secure? Are we confident? Are we full of peace? Because if we're not, we need to look at why. What are we looking to? What are we relying on? Because it needs to be God, who is a God of hope. Hebrews chapter 16, verse 19. This is what hope does for us. And this is what was on the shirt of the young lady that you heard testify about looking for a shirt for the, the baptism. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. This confident expectation of good or confident expectation of good from God because God is good all the time. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. God can't give bad because he doesn't have bad. But he has good. He gave his son that you and I and that every person would have life and life more abundant. And so we can trust him. We can trust him. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. But this hope, this confident expectation of good we have as an anchor, where? In our soul. The Bible tells us that we're a three-part being. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Now, when we receive Christ as our Lord, our spirit is made alive to God. For the first time, we're spiritually alive. Up to that point, we're spiritually dead. And so our spirit is sealed with the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. But there's an ongoing work that God is doing that we participate with him in, in partnership, in our soul. And one day... Does anybody know what's going to happen with our bodies? <laughs> we're like, I hope something will. The Bible tells us we're going to get a glorified body. It's Yeah, I can't wait for that. That's going to be awesome. But that's what God's going to do. He's going to give us a glorified body. It's going to be different than this. It's going to be just like the body Jesus had after his resurrection. That's pretty impressive. He went into a room that the doors were locked in. So it's an amazing thing. But the thing that we're to work on right now is the soul. We 
along with God's help, work in that area of our soul, our mind, will, and emotions. And, and again, God was setting us up because God spoke to us last week through Dennis who talked about the thoughts that we have. Listen, the enemy wants you to think you can't control your thoughts, but the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. That those who whose thoughts are stayed on him, on God, he'll keep in perfect peace. When we keep our minds set on God, on his word, on his character, on his ways, there can't be anything but peace in our lives and hope in our lives. It's when we drift from our focus and our confidence in God that we begin to experience the fear and the insecurity and the instability that the world that we live in is experiencing all the time. We're not immune to it, but we need to be able to stand up to it when it comes to us. And the only way we can do it is through our confident expectation of good, our hope in God. The Bible says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God, in God alone. But this hope is an anchor to our soul. And it says it's both sure and steadfast. That word sure means safe, secure, certain, tested, and reliable. It's not good when you get something that's not tested and not reliable. That's going to continue to increase the insecurity and instability in our lives. But God's been tested and he's reliable. He's trustworthy. He never has failed. He never will fail. And he won't fail you. And that's why we can trust him no matter what we see or experience. And steadfast, that word steadfast means stable, firm, immovable, does not waver or fail, faithful and trustworthy. One of the names that's going to be on our Lord as he returns is faithful. He is faithful. You can count on him. Not like we count on anything else because other things may fail but God will never fail. So this, this anchor is sure and steadfast. Now, when I talk about anchors, when I say the word anchor, what comes to mind? A boat, right. Because that's usually where you use anchors. But you use anchors on other things. You use anchors on tents so they don't blow away. On, on a variety of things. But I thought of boats too. And, and growing up, Part of my growing up was done in Maryland on the Severn River that flowed into the Chesapeake Bay. And one of the things that my brother and I had the responsibility every Saturday to do when it was the right season was we would go down to the river and get into a li little dinghy that was about eight feet long with a seven and a half horsepower engine on it. And we would go out into the river and we would crack. Now, if you've never been crabbing, you take a piece of rotten meat and you throw it in the water on a string and you pull it up and with a net you pick up the crabs that are eating the rotten meat and then you go home and boil them and eat them. doesn't sound too smart, but it was great. But my brother and I would get in this little dinghy and we would go out to areas where we knew had been good and we would drop an anchor and we would stay there until we had a bushel basket full of crabs. And for our little dinghy, all we had was a little mushroom anchor. It was about that big around. 
and it had a little rounded head and a little tail, and we just drop it in, and it was fine until the river started flowing faster, and we would end up drifting. Now, an anchor is really important to keep you from moving off the spot you're on. Now, in the book of Acts, it talks about where Paul was on a ship. They were in a storm, and they dropped four anchors. You know, the type of anchor, the size of anchor, and the number of anchors that you need are dependent on your circumstances and situations, what you're in. If you're in no flow of water, you can drop anything and stay where you are. But if you start to get in the current, and I will tell you today, every one of us are experiencing the currents of the world. There are things that are flowing around us that God does not want us to be moved by. And the only way not to be moved by them is to put an anchor down. And that anchor is hope. And you've got to have that hope. You've got to be prepared. We also had a 25-foot cabin cruiser. And when we would go out in that, we didn't use a little mushroom anchor. We had to use an anchor big enough to hold it. We would get out into the Chesapeake Bay where the big freighters would go up the bay into the Baltimore Harbor. And they had huge wakes. And if you were trying to stay somewhere, you had to have a sure anchor. And the anchor that we had was huge. And it wasn't just rounded. It had points where it would dig in. And the more it was pulled on, the deeper it would dig in. That kind of anchor is the anchor that we need. The more it's pulled on, the deeper it digs in. And that anchor, that anchor to our soul, that hope, is in God and his word. And that's why it's so important for us to have God and his word. We need to know who God is. Not just a general idea or something we heard from somebody else. You know, the anchor in somebody else's boat isn't going to keep you from moving. You've got to have your own anchor. I have to have my own anchor. And it has to be sure and steadfast. Tried. Secure. Tested. We get that as we dig into the Word of God. We hide God's word in our heart that we might not miss the mark he has for us. That that word, when we're pulled on, that word digs in even deeper in our hearts than the pull on our lives to be afraid or insecure or unstable or fearful. That expectation of bad is overwhelmed by our confident expectation of good, the hope that we have in God. And it does come from God. There's a part for us and a part that God plays. And in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, this hope comes from God. There's only one source for this kind of hope, and it's God. And it says this, Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The God of hope would do what? Fill you. If you're filled with hope, what room is there for anything else? If something's full, it's full. It's when we're not full. And God said he'll fill you full of hope. How does he do that? Well, we're going to learn about this in, in the next coming weeks. But God said he'll fill you full of hope. He'll give you what you need. He'll pour into you, make available to you this hope that'll fill you with all what? All joy and all peace. Again, these ought to be earmarks. These ought to be indicators of children of God. We should be the most joy-filled. That doesn't mean we go around laughing at everything. But joy is, is a confidence. It's, it's a security. It's a strength in our lives. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, the Bible says that God sits in heaven and laughs. He laughs at what the enemy is doing because he knows the enemy is defeated. He knows that the enemy is defeated and he can't have place in our lives unless we give him that place. See, the bottom line is all of us have the final say in our lives. We can proclaim Jesus as Lord of our lives, that we're Christ followers. But the true indicator is what our lives reveal. Are we really following Christ? Are we really trusting Christ? Are we really confident in Christ and dependent on Christ? Because hope is a type of trust. And if we're not hoping in him, we're going to try and find hope in something, but it will betray us. Fill us with joy and peace. In what? In believing. So God does his part. He's going to make available to you and me everything that, that will give us hope. And that hope will fill us with joy, which is strength. It's a security and a stability in our lives that we're not moved by the things that are going on. And a peace. That peace is, is to be set at one again. We're, we're not moved from God. That peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and our minds. When our minds are not at peace, what are our lives like? Chaos. Yeah, there's an instability and an insecurity that just causes us to be ripe for fear to fill us. But this joy and peace in believing. God does his part but we have our part. Our part is believing. That's faith. And faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how hope comes. Hope comes when we recognize and receive the promises of God, the provisions of God, 
the purposes of God. God has a plan. And as we receive that, we don't have to worry about what else is going on. We can be confident, confidently expecting good because we're allowing God to have his way. We're focused on God. We're trusting in God. We're relying on God. We're looking to God. But it's really hard. Harder for us in these days than it's ever been in any other generation. And it's getting harder because there are more things for us to be able to look to. With the internet, the internet in itself is not bad, but how we use it can be disastrous. And I'm just going to say this because I've been guilty of it too, fairly recently. You know, when you have something going on in your body and all of a sudden you, you get these thoughts, I wonder what that is. And, and what do we do? See, we're all guilty of this. We're like, gosh, I don't know anybody that might give me this answer, but WebND might be able to give me this answer. Or, or you just type in the information of what you're experiencing, and up comes no lack of information of what it could be. And you start to read that stuff, don't you? And you're like, whoa. Yeah, no. Really? Oh my gosh, I can't believe I've got this. And before you know it, you're sicker than you ever thought you were. And that breeds fear and insecurity and instability. And all of a sudden, we've written ourselves off. I don't have many days left. Because where did we go first? The wisdom of man. Listen, man has some wisdom, but compared to God, man's wisdom is foolishness. That's why don't make your first turn to the internet. Make your first turn to the Bible. I know, I know it's easier to jump on your computer and go to the internet, but you know there are a lot of good computer programs that will help you find answers in the Bible. And you may not be as familiar with those, but I will tell you this, if you'll make an investment to familiarize yourself with it or even buy programs, Bible programs that will help you search the scriptures, you're going to be far better off. You're going to be more secure, more stable, more joy-filled, and more peace-filled because you went to God, the God of hope, who will fill you with joy and peace as you believe. But you and I can't believe if we haven't heard or haven't read or, or don't know. The Bible says my people, God says my people perish for lack of knowledge. We have more knowledge than any, any time in all of mankind. There's more knowledge going than ever before. And what's the result in our world? Is our world really stable? Really full of peace? Really full of, no. Of joy? No. That ought to be a clear indication that shouldn't be our first step. Our first step should always be God. 
The Bible says that Jesus is supposed to have the preeminence in all things. That word preeminence means first in order and in influence. If we're not going to God first, then we shouldn't be calling ourselves Christ followers because we're following something else before we're following Christ. And we need to realign ourselves that God does have first place. And, and he is the greatest influence in our, in our lives, not the things of the world. In believing, we've got to believe. Mix what we've read, what we hear, what we know, what we see, what we find in the scriptures, and begin to fight the good fight of faith. That means that we're going to tenaciously Hold on to what God's word says no matter what we see because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things what? Not seen. We believe it before we see it. And we can do that because we know God is not a man that he would lie. God is not going to say something and not do it because God can't. When God spoke in the beginning of creation, he spoke light be and light was because whatever God speaks comes to pass. And we have to choose to believe it so it comes to pass in our lives. Not just pass by our lives, but comes to fruition that God has his way in our lives. And then and only then will we be those people that have hope as an anchor. We're stable, we're secure. We're an anomaly in a society that is overwhelmed by fear and insecurity. But if we're being overwhelmed by the same things, they're not gonna see anything different. And there should be a vast difference. So that as we are in this world, not of this world, the world is seeing a new and living way that we're walking and that they know they need. And then they'll begin to ask, just like it says, be prepared to give an answer to any, anyone and everyone that asks for the reason of your hope. Your hope. What are you hope-filled because of? What is it in your life that has filled you full of hope? And I just want you to bow your heads right now. When I began to recognize God was speaking to my life and, and to me about hope and the need for hope and the hours and the, the days and the times we're living in, I realized that there were areas that I knew things, but I wasn't believing them. I had a knowledge, but not a trust, not a confidence. And it wasn't anything that I could just get because I read. It was something I had to do internally. And today, I'm asking you to look at your life and see where you have hope. And recognize why you have it. And see where you're struggling with hope. And maybe 
wrestling with fear and insecurity and, and not being as confident and realize that that's an area that God has made provision for you. He's given you his spirit. And Holy Spirit is in you to empower you to be who he has for you to be and do what he has for you to do. But there is a part that you and I play, and that is to believe. But we've got to find out what we believe. What do we believe? And what are we choosing to rely on and trust in and turn to as our resource? God's given us his word. God's given us his son. God's given us his spirit. And we need to use these resources to begin to build our faith. To find out, to dig into the treasure that abounds in life and peace and joy and health and wholeness. His word is life and health to those who find it. His word is truth and brings freedom and liberty. The Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so the things that the world has tried to restrict us through or bind us with, God can set you free. But you need to know it and believe it, and trust in it, confidently expect that freedom to work. Father, right now, I pray for every one of us. Father, help us have hunger and thirst for you, for your word, for righteousness, for truth. That, Father, we would find ourselves desiring time with you. Longing for time in your word. Father, help us to realize the value, the importance, and the impact that time spent with you and in your word. Studying to show ourselves approved brings to our life in hope and joy and peace in stability and security in confident expectation of good that Father in the midst of all hell breaking loose we know all heaven is at hand and we are assured of that not just something that we heard somebody else say Father we've built that into our own lives through study and meditation and, and memorizing your word. That we see even as Jesus was tempted by the enemy, his response was, it is written. And he spoke the word. Father, help us realize your word is like a two-edged sword. It's the only offensive weapon you've given us. 
And Father, we don't want to be in a battle without a weapon, but we have the greatest weapon of all, your word that will not return void. Father, help us to hide your word in our hearts that we would not sin or miss the mark that you have for us. We wouldn't be robbed, but Father, we would have all that you say in your word we can have. We can be all that your word says that we can be. And we can do all that your word says that we can do. And we thank you, Father. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your plan. That, Father, we will make use of all of that and come to expect confidently in what you have said, provided, and prepared. And we thank you, Father, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? While I was away, I was very aware that God was speaking to my heart about praying specifically for the body here, that we would experience a type of revival, a reigniting of our love for God and love for his word. And so I've been praying for that, for me, for you. And I'm believing that we're going to all experience this, to rise up in the time that God has for us to rise up, to be the people he has for us to be, and do the things he has for us to do, to impact the people that he so loves that don't know and don't love him yet, but will. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you for every one of your children here. I thank you, Father, that we do hunger and thirst after your righteousness. Father, we want your will more than we want our own. We want your way more than we want our own way. Father, we want to be the vessels that you fill and flood and flow through. Father, we, we desire that there would be a new hunger, a new thirst, a new desire in us like never before for you, for your word, and for your way. That, Father, we would find ourselves being drawn away to be with you. And looking forward to that more than we look forward to the things that we used to. Father, thank you for the good work that you've begun in us. That your word says you're faithful to complete because you're at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. Father, we know even as, as John said, we must decrease that you would increase. Father, it's not a losing of us, it's a gaining of you for us to be everything you have for us to be. And we thank you, Father. We thank you that this will go on until we either go to be with you or you come to make us with you. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Have a great week.